0: We look at the last psalm, Psalm 150. Uh, It's fitting in the sense that, as I mentioned, it's the last Sunday of the year. The last time we come together as a church family for 2015. I know some, if not all of us, will take time to reflect on 2015. I know my wife and I usually um, do an assessment on ourselves, our family, and how the Lord has kind of just carried us through the year. And we do it every year. You know, we ask certain questions. Hey, how was your how was your year? You know, how was your devotion? You know, how was your walk with God? Um, and that that's okay. It's okay to reflect on 2015. It's okay to be thankful for both the blessings and the pains that maybe some of us have experienced. You know, this is my first year of a full time pastoral ministry. I mean, praise the Lord, I made it. Um, and I'll be honest, I am, I am very thankful uh, for Gateway Bible Church. I'm thankful for Pastor Rod as he has mentored me almost every day. I have all these questions for him, and he mentors me every single day. He tells me these things. He guides me um, on, on how to be a pastor, how to be a better pastor. He warns me of things. And I, I'm thankful for his life, his family. I'm thankful for the elders. Um, they, they've taught me tremendously. Um, you know... we. Again, we are a little spoiled. Our leaders get along here at Gateway. Um, we have people who serve the Lord wholeheartedly, Sunday after Sunday and throughout the week. Um, we have people who are committed to, to knowing and applying and proclaiming the Word of God. And so it, it is, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for all of you who come out Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and just serve the church, serve the Lord in whatever capacity you know, last week Pastor Rod preached on, on Mary's uh, worship to God. Uh, and it's, it's an example for all of us um, in how we worship. So you'll see a, a sort of a connection here in Psalm 150. And if I have a, an overall charge for Gateway this morning, it's very simple. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My proposition is this, in all aspects of life, with everything we have, and anywhere we go, we are to praise the Lord. Let me read that again. In all aspects of life, with everything we have, and anywhere we go, we are to praise the Lord. Back in April, I preached on Psalm 1, if you remember, um, <clears throat> and I'm I'm sort of reminding you of this because the first and the last psalm are very similar in structure. Both have the same number of verses, short, and also both are very memorable. It's the first and it's the last psalm. However, the purpose is different. If we turn our Bibles, we look briefly back to Psalm 1. I'm going to read it here shortly, but if Let me remind us, Psalm 1 really is saying there are two ways in this life, two paths that the author proposes, the righteous way and the wicked way. It gives us instruction on the blessed man who fears the Lord and how this person should live. Let me read it for you this morning. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Again, in reading this, we see Psalm 1 pointing to the blessed man, really the truly perfect and godly man. There are two ways, as I mentioned, but really there is only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. The blessed man is Jesus Christ. Jesus lived surrounded by wickedness, but Christ never walked in the counsel of the wicked. Christ never stood in the way of sinners. Christ never sat in the seat of scoffers. Jesus called out sinners to follow him. Christ is the law of the Lord. In John 1.1, what does it say? It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Christ is the stream of water. He is the everlasting water in John 4:14 4, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. This is Jesus speaking. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Lord knows the way of the righteous because he is the way. John 14:6 Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me." Yet Jesus for our sakes became chaff he became worthless. He became rubbish. He became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ stood bearing the judgment we deserved. He hung on the cross with God's judgment upon him. You see, Jesus Christ is the greatest example for us in someone who delights in God's law. And I'm saying this because that's where it begins. In Hebrews 10, 7, Just Jesus quoting, then I said, quoting Psalm 40, then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Here's why I'm going through this. In order to fully grasp why we end in praise, we have to understand the reason for our praise. Let me say that again. In order to fully grasp why we end in praise, we have to understand the reason. For our praise. My own definition of praise is this Praise is our expression of delight in God Himself. Praise is our expression of delight in God Himself. It's expressing joy. Therefore, the path to praise usually begins with God and His Word and includes suffering and it ends in praise. A godly person who meditates on the Word of God day and night, ends in praising God. They love the law of the Lord. I mean, every experience we go through, whether it's suffering or whether it's joy, ends in praise. Maybe that reminds us of something. If you think about it, from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150, you have lament, confession, suffering, worship, people seeking refuge, adoration, aspiration, singing, dancing, and eventually praising. That's Psalm 1 to Psalm 150. If you dig a little deeper, I mean, that's, that's a depiction of the Christian life. Suffering and then praising. I mean, the Bible, that's a story of the Bible. The Bible is God's glory in salvation through judgment from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story of people rebelling, God redeeming, then everyone and everything praising the Lord everywhere. Just remember that. Rebellion, redemption, and praise. Rebellion, redemption, and praise. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of Psalms. That's the story of the Christian life. Rebellion, redemption, and praise. That takes us back to our text this morning on praising the Lord. There are four things here I'd like like us to look at. Point one, where do we praise the Lord? Where do we praise the Lord? Verse one, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. We see the first out of 13 commands here in verse one, which is praise the Lord. And the first thing we see in our psalm today is where we offer praise. And it tells us, in his sanctuary, in his mighty heavens. I mean, to answer the question of verse 1, where? The answer is is everywhere. You know, growing up, I remember hearing um, this hymn or doxology at the end of every service. And some of you may know it. It goes like this, praise God from whom all blessings flow Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We are to praise God below and above, in earth and in heaven. All creatures, all beings, praising God. Therefore, this text commands us to praise God in both places. First, we are to praise the Lord in His earthly sanctuary. The earthly sanctuary is a reflection of God's high and holy place. The two lines we see in verse 1 is a parallel between one another. And we see that it's, it's using earthly instruments in verses 3 and 5, 3 to 5, right? It adds these specific instruments, and I'll, I'll get to that later. Therefore, his sanctuary in our text is referring to his sanctuary on earth. God's sanctuary is past, present, and future here on earth. I mean, we gather here week after week praising God. We praise Him in church. The music leader leads us in praising God. We preach so that you can praise God. We hear the word. We open the word so that you can praise Him. That is a purpose in coming together to praise the Lord. The assembly of all the saints come together to praise together with one another. That's why the church is of is of first importance, so that we could come together and praise Him. We could also praise Him in our daily activities at home, at work, or at school. But corporate worship is first. I'm going to touch upon this later. Corporate worship is where we could praise God freely in the context of church. God is to be praised not only in his earthly sanctuary, but his heavenly sanctuary as well. In addition to praising him on earth, there is praise going on in his heavenly sanctuary. Praise him in mighty heaven in his mighty heavens. What is God's heavenly sanctuary? Well, it says right there, it says mighty heavens. This really is is a blanket statement that covers anywhere and everywhere. The Bible gives us description of the heavenly places. If you recall, um, this past year, we went through Isaiah 6, God's throne. It's a glimpse of God's heavenly throne, throne room, his sanctuary. Let me read it for you. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 6 In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse four, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That is God's heavenly throne. The once great King Uzziah was dead. But when Isaiah entered that temple, the heavenly throne room, He saw another king. He saw the ultimate king. The one who sits forever on the throne of Judah. Not an earthly king, but the king of the entire universe. This is the king we praise in the heavenly sanctuary. In Jeremiah 15, 12, it says this, A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary we praise collectively in the assembly of the saints here in church but we praise individually everywhere we see where we praise now let's see why we praise why do we praise the lord praise him for his mighty deeds praise him according to his excellent greatness you know i could i could name a list i'm going to name a few we praise him for his attributes his wisdom, his sovereignty, his holiness, the Trinity, his omniscience, his faithfulness, his love, his omnipotence. and the list can go on and on. but I broke it down in this way. in its mighty deeds, his excellent greatness. I summed it up first by His first, his creation. We all know Genesis 1:1. 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created light and darkness. Sun, moon, and stars, all the land, all the seas, all plants and fruits, all creeping things. And it is through creation that we see and praise Him. It is through creation that we see and praise Him. Here's what I mean by that. In Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above proclaim His handiwork, Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. It is through creation we see God. He created the earth, the heavens and the earth, but he also created you and I. In Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, He formed us in the womb before the creation of the world. Every detail he created, every aspect of our life he controls. The second thing we see here, why do we praise the Lord is because of salvation. We praise God because he saved us from our sins. He saved us from his own wrath. It is through the cross that God shows us how sinful, how lost, how broken we are. But on the cross, Jesus said, I wanted to die for you. I pursued you. I became the slaughtered lamb for you to give praise to my Father in heaven. If you remember in Romans 11... After Paul writes about the sinfulness of man, after he writes about our salvation, our justification, our sanctification throughout Romans, and eventually our glorification, what does Paul do at the end of Romans 11? He breaks into spontaneous praise. Let me read it for you. Romans 11, chapter 33 to 36. Oh, the depths of The depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul had to break into this spontaneous praise. Third, we see, why do we praise the Lord? It's because of his judgment. Judgment will come to those who have not repented and believe in Jesus Christ. That's a warning. But with believers, we wait with eagerness. In Titus 2.13, Paul says, "Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ." That word, "waiting," Paul is saying it gives us a sense of eagerness. As believers, we are to be eager to see Christ return, as it indicates there in Titus two thirteen, the blessed hope. Romans eight twenty two to twenty three. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirits, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as the sons, the redemption of our bodies. We are waiting for Christ to rule over all. Therefore, we look forward to our judgment, church. Second Timothy two Second Timothy four eight Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to but also to all who have loved his appearing. In Philippians three, verse twenty it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await our Savior or a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, look forward to judgment, not out of spite, but look, forward, look toward Christ, the slaughtered lamb who sits on the throne, who will bring judgment upon the entire universe. After telling us this psalm where to praise God and reminding us why we should praise God, the next three verses tells us how we should praise the Lord how we should praise the Lord. The largest portion of this psalm is devoted to how we praise. And it speaks of a variety of means that is used here to praise him. Sounds, motions, I mean, you name it. We see here a list of instruments and in if we read these instruments, it really touches on all aspects at the time of the corporate life in Israel. And these were what the Jews were using. When I read this, and I was kind of noticing this when I was reading it, and I had to remind myself. Um, singing, there's, we, we, they weren't using their mouths in Psalm 150. Does anyone know why? Cool. In Psalm 149, it says to sing to the Lord a new song. If you really see how it's broken down, Psalm 146 to 150 is really this buildup of praise. In Psalm 149, it talks about using our mouths to praise the Lord. Psalm 150 talks about using everything, all instruments. If you have a trumpet, use it. Lute and harp, use that. Tambourine and dance. You can praise him doing that. Now, there's a side note here about dancing. I was talking to Dennis about this text, and he was saying, "Well, you have to, you have to mention it." And I said, "Okay." Then I talked to Pastor Rod, and Rod's like, "Yeah, you can mention it a little bit." <laughs> um, the dancing here is is different from the dancing that we know. We have to kind of. Um, divorce ourselves from, from, from what we know about dancing nowadays, okay? Um, it's not what we see in our culture today. And, and believe it or not, as we go through 2 Samuel next year, um, it is the chapter, chapter 6, I believe, where David dances. And um, it's, it's not that type of sexual, promiscuous, off- offensive type of dancing, um, but this type of dancing really is an outward, it's an outworking on what we know about God. It's a joyful dance. I mean, David was dancing in Second Samuel chapter six because he was joyous because of the ark arriving. Right, the ark was returned, and he, he couldn't help himself, so he just started dancing. And he started dancing in, in a linen, and I think a linen robe. And if you read about this, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to it next year. But he he was just dancing. It was just an outworking of praising God. That was it. It was an expression of joy. Verses 3 to 5 are are really a a culmination of all things. It's really saying, gather up everything and use it for praise. These instruments, again, are are, a symbol of the great redemptive history of the Bible. And so we, we bring all these things, we bring everything, and this is how we do it. In first Chronicles thirteen, eight, it says this. And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and, and trumpets. How do we do this? With all our might. And that's why the corporate gathering is very important. Because you can't go to your office and bring a tambourine and start shaking. You can't start dancing there. I don't know. Hopefully you can't dance at your office. Right? And that's why we come here. Because we could offer everything to praise God. Song. We might not see much dancing here. But song. Singing. Instruments. Instruments. We could do it all here in our corporate gathering without fear. We sing praise to God with everything that we have. Let Let me push a little more. I mean, if the gospel is real to us, if Christ is real to you, if salvation is freely given to you and I, and we understand the treasure we have in Christ, We will praise the Lord with every fiber in our being. This takes us to our last point this morning. If you haven't figured it out yet, it's who should praise the Lord. Who should praise the Lord? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The short answer is, is everyone. If you're breathing, you should do it. We were created to praise Him. Yet we know the world does not praise God, and this is offensive to Him. Pastor Rod touched upon this last week. Whether the world or... Whether, whether the world re- rejects or accepts God as king, everyone will one day worship God. Let me say that again. Whether the world rejects or accepts God as king, everyone will one day worship God. This is why we both have global and local missions. You know, before, the, before committing to Gateway as a church, we realized one of the many things Out of many things, uh, my family and and I admired the ministry here at Gateway is how missions-minded Gateway is. I mean, Rod did a whole month on missions. He preached sermons on on missions. And if you talk to Rod, he really has a heart for missions, and it's kind of fleshed out through the congregation. I mean, missions is the backbone in spreading the gospel to the world it's the great calling to go therefore and make disciples of all nations and missions is fleshed out through the local church the bride of Christ in order that we would go out and desire everyone to praise the Lord but we know that missions is temporary but praising the Lord is forever John Piper, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, he says this When the age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. His book really is based on Psalm 67. Verses 3 and 4, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Millions of the redeemed will praise God. The people who reject God will praise him as well. In Romans 14, verse 11, it says, For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue confess to God. Everyone will praise God. What are the implications for us today? Today, some stand on the fence. With the gospel presented, I plead with you to repent and believe. I plead with you to repent and believe in this gospel. We will one day, again, praise the Lord, whether we like it or not. The oldest lie Satan wants us to believe is that God is not worthy to be praised. But Psalm 1 tells us the happier, blessed life begins with devotion and delight in God's Word. I mean, once you realize that joy begins with God, it can only end in praise. Once you realize that joy begins with God, it can only end in praise. For those who are redeemed, this life is temporary. No pain, no suffering, no joy on earth on earth will amount to the praise we will see in heaven. Where are we to praise him? Everywhere. Why? Because of what he's done and because of who he is. How? With everything we have. And who is to do it? Everyone and everything. Let me conc- conclude this morning by looking back and looking forward, so to speak. This year we went through, or we finished 1 Samuel. The the overall theme was, was looking to the king. We saw the stories of Hannah, Samuel, Saul, and King David. And we will begin 2 Samuel in 2016. Also, Pastor Rod and the elders and Dennis went through Revelation. The theme was, To the One Who Conquers. It helped us understand how we are to overcome various pains that we will have as a church. Lastly, we went through Second Timothy, which followed the theme, Courageous Christianity, Enduring Hardship for the Sake of the Gospel. It brought into perspective the carrying on of the gospel message, no matter what the cost. And so we look forward to a new year, new beginnings, new places for some of us. And there are those where we carry over our burdens, we carry over our sorrows, we carry over our joys, but we do so with praise. We do so with praising the Lord. We're praising the Lord for his providence, for his faithfulness, for his mercies that are new every morning for his gospel that saves us. The good news is that our praise does not end today, church. This has been read many times this year, but the concluding climax can be found in Revelation. Some of us will read this in our Bible reading plans at the end of the year. And this is why we end in praise. Revelation, turn to me, Revelation chapter 21 And I'll end here, verses 1 to 5. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor praying any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who has seated. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Friends, let us eagerly anticipate Christ who will make all things new. The new heavens and the new earth are perfect because everyone and everything is glorifying God and enjoying him forever. And Psalm 150 gives us a glimpse of that perfect praise forever and ever. Let us pray. Lord, we praise you. You created everything. You created us. You saved us. You redeemed us, Lord. We praise you every single day because of the gospel. You died for us. You rose again, ascended into heaven so that we can praise you forever and ever. Sometimes it's hard to think about living in these days. But our lives will end, whether it's today or whether it's 30 years from now, our lives will end. And so we look forward to where you will make all things new, where you'll bring us together as a church family, praising you, giving glory to you. Oh Lord, we we look forward to that day. Our pains, our sorrow, our joys are temporary. Remind us of that every single day. And let us sing to you. Let us worship you with everything we have. All these things I ask in Jesus' name, amen.